Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you on this uh, New Year's Eve. And uh, I know New Year's Eve brings with it a lot of new goals, um, new to-do lists, and it makes sense. Um, it's a very um, blank slate. If you look at it, a new year, new opportunities, new ways to measure progress and goals and all of those things. Um, and all of that is fine. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to do this morning um, is to allow us just to stop um, before we head into this new year, before we start striving and trying to do more and be more and achieve more, um, stop and ask why. And really what I want us to do is to consider um, Jesus's invitation to rest. Um, some of you might feel like you're a pro at resting, um, but I think for the majority of us, um, we can always use another moment in God's word to consider just how important it is um, to rest. And I'm not just talking about physical rest. Yes, that will apply. Um, but mainly what I really want to discuss is spiritual rest. Uh, you'll never rest physically until you're first at rest spiritually anyway. So what we're going to do this morning is I just want to spend a couple minutes and encourage you with the Word of God um, from Matthew chapter 11. And uh, we're not going to cover this passage exhaustively. Um, there's a Sunday morning sermon prayerfully, Lord willing, one day down the road where we can do that. Um, but I just want to point out a couple of observations and give you a couple of reminders um, from Matthew chapter 11. So just to give you a quick context, um, in Matthew's gospel, um, Jesus gets baptized in Matthew chapter 3. John the Baptist baptizes him. Jesus goes into the wilderness and is tempted. Um, he resists the temptation from Satan himself. Angels minister to him. Some incredible things start happening. Jesus begins his ministry, calls his apostles, calls his disciples, um, starts healing, starts um, raising someone from the dead, this young girl, um, healing diseases, making the paralyzed walk, making the blind see, the deaf hear, um, preaches the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, calls some more of his disciples, does more signs and amazing wonders. And then in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus um, brings his apostles, brings his 12 near, and gives them authority to heal and to cast out demons and sends them out to proclaim uh, what Matthew calls the gospel of the kingdom of God. And he sends them out, he gives them their marching orders and their instructions. You can read about it in Matthew 10, um, not to be afraid. Um, he's sending them out um, like sheep in the midst of wolves, um, that they're gonna be persecuted, um, to shake the dust off their feet when they experience resistance and keep going. And as Jesus sends them out, he starts to think about um, all of the towns and all of the cities um, in Israel that have rejected him um, because of the signs and wonders that he's done, they, they do not see him as the Messiah. Um, they are too proud, they are too self-righteous to see that they need a savior. And Jesus starts saying, woe to this city and woe to this city and woe to this city, all of the cities in Israel um, that had rejected him. And then he prays. Um, in the middle of his frustration, he goes to the Father and he prays and he thanks the Father um, that God has hidden these things from the self-righteous and those that are, um, think that they're healthy and they don't need um, a physician. And he says, I thank you that you've revealed these to little children, to those that take me at my word, those that know that they're sinners, those that know they need a savior. And then he extends this invitation to anyone who might come. And he says this in Matthew chapter 11, towards the end, um, starting in verse 28. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest 
for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the question that I wanna ask you this morning as you think about your next year, as you set goals and um, wanna try to achieve so much over the next year is do you have that? Do you have soul level rest in Christ? Do you have that this morning? Um, because Jesus is offering it. The invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to rest. And it's also, you know, I don't want to speak in absolutes. Um, it's also a call to do so much more. Um, it's a call to make disciples. It's a call to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus. Um, Jesus is inviting us to do so much. To, to love God, to love our neighbor, to, to go and share the gospel to the ends of the earth. Um, he's inviting us to do all of those things. But it is also an invitation to rest at the soul level as we do all of those things. So the question this morning is, do you have that? Um, the beautiful thing about rest is God has woven rest into the rhythm of his creation from the very beginning. If you think about it, all the way back in Genesis, um, God established rest as a part of his creation. Um, God creates the entire world in six days, and it says on the seventh day, he rested. Um, at the end of Genesis, verse 31, it says, And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. And Genesis 2 opens with, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So the question is, God rested. Why? Um, did God need to rest? Um, did God get tired? And the answer to those questions are no. Um, God does not get tired. God did not need to rest. Um, Psalm uh, 33, I believe, says that God created the world by, the, by his very own word. Um, the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 32 says that there's nothing too hard for God. Um, he was not physically taxed by creating the world. He spoke it into existence. Um, he did not need to rest, but he chose to rest. Why? To establish it, to establish rest, as a pattern in his creation and for his creation. Um, this is why God created the, the sun to exist and for the earth to rotate so that at any given point, any given point in any moment of the day, half of the world is awake and striving and the other half is in the dark and intended to rest. And I, I know that's not a absolute statement. There's time zones and all of those things, but you get the point um, that I'm making that God established rest as a part of the rhythm for his creation. Um, and what's so fascinating about that is um, in Genesis uh, 2, verse 3, the very next verse, it says, God blessed the seventh day, this day of rest, and he made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in his creation. So not only was it a part of his creation, God set it apart. God made it a holy thing to do because it's the very thing that God did when he created the world. And here's what's so fascinating about rest. Um, rest is an act of faith. Uh, we see this all throughout Scripture. Rest is an act of faith. Um, it was an act of faith for God's chosen people when He gave them the command to rest in the Ten Commandments. Um, it's, it has always been and will always be an act of faith. Why is it an act of faith? Because to rest means I am going to stop and I am going to trust that God is going to continue to sustain and maintain the world around me. To rest from your job means that you have to stop and you have to trust God that He's the one who's actually sovereign over your business, over your company, over your place of employment, not you. So to rest means I have to stop and I have to give up control and I have to acknowledge that God is the one who's actually in control, that He's the one who is sustaining this thing. 
But so many of us, we struggle to rest. Why? Because we think God's not sovereign over my business. I'm sovereign over my business. So I gotta keep striving. God's not the one keeping this thing together. I'm the one keeping this thing together. And boy, do we forfeit soul level rest because we do not have enough faith that God is the one sustaining our family, that God is the one sustaining our marriage, that God is the one sustaining our business. Um, the main reason that we don't stop is we get anxious when we think about resting because we don't trust that God will provide. And I just wanna ask you, where in your life, what area of your life do you not have spiritual rest? Is it in your parenting? Is it in your job, in your career, in your marriage? It might be where there's a lack of rest probably is revealing there's also a lack of faith. That, hey, I can't walk away from this thing because I don't have enough faith to believe that if I step back, God's gonna sustain it. So heed that warning. But rest is saying, God, I believe you made the world and you created it with a certain rhythm and rest is a part of that rhythm. And what's so fascinating about rest is not only did God put it into the, the rhythm of his creation, um, he also made it a rule in his covenant. And I just alluded to that a, a few minutes ago. Not only is all of creation, everything under the sun has to rest. Um, every animal, every human being, even our devices have to rest. Even our technology has to rest. That nothing was ever made to, to keep on running and gunning forever, that we all have to rest. But not only is that a rhythm in God's creation, it's also a rule in his covenant, that when God freed his people from Egypt, from their slavery, God commanded them to rest. Um, it's one of the 10 commandments. And he says, hey, I want you to remember this day of rest, that God rested from the beginning. Six days the Lord made the world, on the seventh day he rested. Therefore, God commanded his people. It's literally a biblical command to rest. How oppressive, right? That God would make his people stop and enjoy what he has done and remember and rest in his redemption, rest in his salvation, um, that God commands us to rest. In the Old Testament, he commanded his people and told them, you will be punished if you don't honor the Sabbath. Um, it's beautiful to think about that God would make his people slow down. It reminds me of Psalms 23, uh, where God, um, David writes, um, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Um, some of you, you've probably entered a season of your life if you've lived long enough, um, where you know you needed to rest, but you wouldn't, and God made you lie down. Um, through sickness, through um, illness, through circumstances, um, but God made you rest. Um, and that's never easy, right? We go down kicking and screaming, don't we? Um, but rest is an act of faith. Rest is in the rhythm of God's creation. But rest is also um, an act of dependence. It's, it's you humbling yourself and saying, I'm submitting to how God created the world. That I'm going to depend on God's sustaining grace in my family, in my job, in my career, in my marriage. Um, rest shows that I'm not in charge. Um, I have this um, pride that kicks in in me um, in the evenings when I get home, um, working, doing ministry, all of those things, and it's you know time for the average person to go to bed. And I here I go, my pride kicks in, and I start to resist. My wife's saying, "Hey, let's go to bed," and I'm, I'd like to watch another sermon, like to you know spend a little more time on YouTube, whatever it is. And my wife, you know, the voice of reason will say, "You know, you're going to fall asleep in about four minutes." And no, I've got this, and here I go, thinking that I can resist the rhythm of God's creation, 
thinking that I'm the only person who can, you know, I can, I can willpower through this thing, I can make it, and a couple minutes later, she's exactly right. Here I go thinking that I can resist how God created the world and I'm asleep. And uh, rest is essentially showing that, hey, I am not sovereign. I'm not in control. I am submitting my life and depending on the way that God has created the world. Um, you see this all over the place. Um, I mentioned our devices a few minutes ago. A um, couple years ago, my laptop that I use for work uh, was dying. And... Um, started making all sorts of noise, at least I thought it was dying, was making noises I'd never heard before. So I uh, picked up my phone and called one of the guys on our staff who was helping out with all of the, the tech and things and uh, just said, hey, making a noise and I'm you know, already packing it up and prepared to meet him somewhere and give it to him so he can fix it. And you know what he asked me? Um, his first question was, hey Parker, when's the last time you turned it off? And what instantly, uh, you know, the first answer I thought of was, you know, uh, probably 2012, right? Like, I haven't turned it off. And he said, hey, shut it down. Give it a little bit of rest and boot it back up later. And sure enough, it was working. It was working fine. And uh, boy, is that just a small picture of our own lives. We go and we strive and we try to accumulate and attain things and run and run and run. And if you do not incorporate rest into your schedule, um, the, the sovereign plan of God to build rest into the rhythm of creation, um, if you don't stop and acknowledge that, you will break. You will fall. And um, one of the other things that I've noticed, and you've probably noticed this in your own life, is without rest, with just so much speed in our schedules and in our calendars and we've got kids and they've got to go to all these different places and you got to get four kids to four different events at the same time. Um, our lives are running at a faster pace than any other um, you know, generation in human history. That we are running so fast. And here's one of the things we find out the faster you run is speed is the enemy of depth. Running really fast, running really hard, Having a very fast-paced schedule is the enemy of depth. That my relationships will suffer the faster we run. Um, you know this, that when things slow down, they start to sink. This is why airplanes have to fly at a certain speed. Because if they don't maintain a certain speed, what do they do? They start to lose altitude. They start to fall. we got to keep going fast to stay up. Um, we see this with all sorts of things, with fishing. How do you keep the fishing, the fishing lure on top of the water? You gotta reel it in really, really, really fast. What happens when you stop reeling? It sinks. And so many of us, if we keep running, we start to experience the lack of depth in our relationships. I know it's happened to me before and I've seen it with some of my friends where I'm in the car with some of my friends and we're just going to the next thing and headed to the next place and they got three kids and they're headed in different directions and suddenly someone from the back seat shares something that has been weighing on them that um, they're sad about or that they're afraid of or that hurts them, and we start to go, whoa, 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 whoa. I had no idea that you were going through that. How do we not know? Because we were moving so fast, we had no depth of relationship. We were just running and running and moving, and suddenly somebody says, hey, here's some pain, and we go, wow, where did that come from? I had no idea that you were struggling, but we see it all the time, that speed is the enemy of depth. You know this if you're on Facebook. You can have thousands of Facebook friends, 
but none of them are deep relationships. The only ones of those that are deep relationships are the ones that you slow down with, or the ones that you go to dinner with, or the ones that you see on a regular basis, the ones you spend time with, the people in your small group, the people you pray with. But we see this over and over and over again. We have thousands of friends online, but none of those are deep relationships. Um, you and your spouse can get so busy, running so fast, trying to get kids to all different places, one thing to the next, and suddenly you wake up and everybody's asleep, you're on the couch next to your spouse and you realize that, we, hey, we haven't connected in a month because we've been running so fast. We don't have rest. Um, you know this is true with your health, um, but ultimately, this is true with your relationship with the Lord that you can be running, you can be striving, you can be trying to do all sorts of things. And suddenly you wake up one day and you go, man, I have no intimacy with the God who created me and saved me because I haven't slowed down enough to spend time with him, to remember his redemption, to, to acknowledge the rhythm of creation, to, to depend on him more. Um, any of you music people know this, um, that if you just keep playing notes, if I get on the drums and I just hit note after note after note after note, and I just, consecutive notes, all that is, is noise. It's just pounding away. It is just lots and lots of noise. When does good rhythm come in? Is when not just you incorporate notes, but you incorporate rest. That if you wanna have good rhythm in your life, you have to have good rest. Otherwise, it's just noise. And this is what Jesus is inviting you into. He is inviting you to rest. And for some of you, that means resting from your rebellion. If you're the younger brother, if you're the one who's just running and trying to, to just find satisfaction in everything that this world has to offer, rebelling from God, rebelling from your family, if, if you're watching this this morning and you are just tired of running, know that you can be forgiven in Christ and you can find rest from your rebellion. But it's also true for those of you who are striving in your religion, that if your goals for the next year is, I'm gonna do all that I can to please God, to earn His favor, to earn His love, then you can rest from your striving. The good news of the gospel is, he's in, God is Jesus is inviting us to rest from your rebellion, but also rest from your religion. You don't have to work to earn His approval. You don't have to work to earn His smile. You don't have to work to earn his affection. And you don't have to run either. That there is freedom and rest found in Christ. And here's how you receive it. Here's the good news this morning. Notice the qualifiers that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 11 to receive this rest. What did he say? He said, come to me. Who's he inviting? All who are weary and heavy burdened. The only way that you can receive this rest is to admit that you're tired. Admit that you're tired from your running and your sin. Admit that you're tired from your striving and your religion. But the only thing you have to do to receive this rest is to admit that you are weary and tired and broken and that you see Jesus as your ultimate rest. That your salvation can be secure in Him. Um, Jesus later would say um, that you have to be poor in spirit. You have to be spiritually bankrupt. Tired, broken, I have nothing to offer. He said, it's not the healthy that he came for, it's the sick. It's not those who think they're righteous, it's those who know they are sinners. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 55 says, come all who are thirsty and drink, come all who are hungry and buy without price. You don't have to earn this rest, 
You don't have to work for it. You don't have to be good enough for it. You just have to admit that you need it. The only way to be worthy of this rest, the only way to be worthy of this gospel is to realize that you're completely unworthy of it. So here's the thing. Go this year and do. Make the to-do list, set the goals, do all of those things. None of those are inherently sinful. But next to your to-do list, remind yourself of what is done. Have another list of what's done in Christ. That in Christ, your new birth is done. Your new life is done, it's achieved. Your new identity is done. It's given from Christ. Your new eternal home, your citizenship in heaven is done. Your inheritance in heaven waiting for you is done in Christ. Your redemption is done. Your righteousness is done. He achieved it. Your holiness is done in the eyes of God. Jesus' holiness is put on you. Your forgiveness is done. You don't have to work for it or strive for it. Your adoption into the family of God is done. Your significance, done. It's secure. Your satisfaction, freely given in Christ, it's done. Your security, done. Your striving is done. All of that is freely given in Christ. So yes, we go and make disciples. Yes, we go and love our neighbor. Yes, we go and, and lay down our lives for our spouses. Yes, we do all of those things. But the most freeing message of Scripture is it is finished. Is an invitation to come to Jesus. Is an invitation to stop striving. Is to stop running. Is to realize that the work is done. That my righteousness is done. My holiness, done. My adoption, done. All of those things are secure and freely given in Christ. So to close, um, Solomon in Ecclesiastes, uh, we covered it weeks ago, in Ecclesiastes 4, um, says that essentially some of you, and here's my fear in, in giving you this message, is some of you um, that are pros at physically resting and probably physically rest a little too much are going to go, yep, see, there I go. I'll just keep on doing what I'm doing. Um, the biblical view of work and rest is very clear, is you were made to work. So those of you that aren't, um, doing, aren't, aren't in response to the gospel, aren't laboring for the kingdom of God, um, there's work to be done. So this is not a message that says, yeah, just keep on sitting. Uh, but Solomon says, here's what we do. He says that on the one hand, um, he says, um, better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of striving. And what he's doing here is instead of putting two hands on your work, which is where I find myself a lot and probably where you find yourself, as we put both hands on our work, and he says, you're striving after the wind. If you can't leave your job, if you can't go home to your family, if you can't put your job away when you get home, Solomon says, that's not a good thing. We were created to work, but you were not created for work. You were created for Christ. You were created to work. He gave us work to do. Work existed before the fall, but you were created for God. So if you can't step away from your work, Solomon says, that's not healthy. He says the biblical way is to have one hand full, one hand on quietness, one hand on rest, and keep the other hand on work. So for some of you this morning, here's your application. You need to take, if you've got both hands on work, Solomon says you got to take a hand off your work and put a hand on rest and have a good spiritual rhythm of work and rest in your life. Yes, work to honor God. We work as if we're working for the Lord and not for men, but we also rest well. We go home to our families. We leave work on time. We spend time with our kids. We get on the floor and play. We go out in the yard and throw the baseball. We do all of those things. And for some of you that have both hands on rest, Solomon says, hey, it's time to put a hand on work. That there's kingdom work to be done. That the most freeing message of the Bible is, yes, it is finished. 
But now, um, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, uh, we've been saved, it is not of works, but he says, but we are um, saved for good works. Ephesians 2.10, that we were created, we were saved for good works, which God prepared beforehand for us to do. So I don't know where you are. My job is not to convict. That's the Holy Spirit's job. He's gonna do the convicting. But for some of you, if you've got both hands on rest, it's time to put a hand on kingdom work because it's finished. So yes, we go and make disciples. And what message are we telling the lost world? Hey, it's finished. You can rest in Christ. And for those of you who have both hands on work, I wanna encourage you this year, before you set all of these new goals for your job, to take a hand off of your work and put it on rest. Jesus is inviting us to rest in the finished work of Christ in all that we do. And if you are not doing that, the invitation is for you. If you've never found your ultimate rest in Christ, I wanna encourage you, the only thing you have to do to receive it is to admit that you're tired and you're weary and see Jesus Christ as your ultimate rest. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is where you will find rest for your soul. You will never rest physically until you have spiritual rest. Let me pray, we'll be done. Father, grateful for your word. Um, God, I pray as we look out at this blank slate of um, God, a new year. Father, I just pray um, that ultimately, that yes, we would go and do great things. Um, the gospel compels us, um, God, to love others, to make disciples, to evangelize, to do missions, um, God, to do great things. But God, I pray that we do all of those things from a place of rest. God, that we would know that the work is finished, it's done, that we don't have to strive for your approval. God, we go and we work from it. We don't have to strive for your love. God, we go and we work from it. Um, so God, help us in all that we do this year. Um, God, to rest at the soul level in Christ. And God, I pray that you would get the glory um, for all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. What a great lesson. Uh, welcome to Church Online. This is uh, Mission Church Online. My name is Stephen Lyles. Hey, and I'm Joe Erkovich. Good uh, to see you guys. We're so glad that you're with us today. Um, Happy New Year's, Happy almost. Happy New Year's Eve. Yeah, almost. Yeah, right? yeah, getting ready. That's right, yeah. So um, we're so glad that you're with us. Uh, there should be a QR code somewhere over in this direction. If uh, if you need anything, if you want to connect with us or uh, have questions or uh, just anything, please click on that and, and it'll direct you how to get in touch with us. Um, Man, what a what a good lesson Parker's done. Yeah, talking about rest right at the start of a new year where yeah. everyone is going to do everything but rest. That's or right. Gearing up for, right? <laughs> right, right, but, right. Uh, you know, these two verses were just packed with truth. Yeah. And so let me reread these and we'll jump into it, okay? Absolutely. So uh, Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29 and 30. Uh, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So reading this and hearing Parker's uh, talk today, Stephen, did this new truth confront you, convict you, challenge, or comfort you? Yeah, this is the same question we have every week, and, and so many times I think it's awful. It's like all of them, like yeah. all for it. it yep. You know, it convicts me that, man, I need to, f to, to find that 
rest for my soul, right? To be looking for that, to be striving for that. Um, and then, you know, it does give me comfort because he's providing it, right? Yeah. His yoke is easy. His burden is light, right. right? So he's providing that. And so, you know, and then there's the challenge of how do I do this? Like, how in the world am I supposed to rest spiritually? What does that mean? And so we're going to get into that today, and we're going to talk about a lot of that today. But uh, what about you? Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I think it does all of those things for me. Um, knowing that uh, his finished work has finished the work, actually, right. um, that is very comforting to me. But the convicting part, the challenging part, um, is all about, you know, I forget that. Yeah, I forget that every day. Yeah. And so I go and I, unless I renew my mind every day, I am starting to fall back into striving. Yeah, I think it's just part of the gospel reminder, right, that we have to wake up and remember not only has God saved us, not only has the has, has he done the work, it's finished, but I get to rest in that. That's right. You know? That's right. In that. And so, it's so great. And even when we forget it, his mercies are new every morning. Yeah, that's so right. Yeah. There's grace for that, too. That's right. So one of the questions, uh, Joe, is why is rest important to God? Well, God modeled it. Right in yeah. Genesis, yeah. he created the world, and uh, and then he rested. And he didn't. Re- Parker said this. He didn't rest because he was tired. Right. Right. He created the world, world, uh, the universe with the word from his mouth. Yeah. And so um, he set that up to model for us what it looked like to rest in him. Yeah. And I, I love the way Parker talked about that. It's in every part of creation. Yeah. Right. It's in, you know, the sun yep. rising and, and it's in our bodies that we get to a point where we have to rest. Like it's yeah. built into creation, you know, um, that it's a pattern that he has established. That's, that right. that's the way it's going to happen. Uh, I love Parker talking about how he, he fights it and wants to stay up and, you know, yeah. wants to power through. He doesn't need it, you know, doesn't need that physical rest. And his wife is saying, come on, man. Come on, you big dummy. Bed. Just come to bed. <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't say that. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, I love that. I love that, uh, that it's part of the creation. He made it that yeah. way, you know, that's right. So Stephen, what's, what's the difference between physical and spiritual rest and why is spiritual rest important? For yeah, us? I think it's really important for us to remember. And Parker made this comment that there is a difference between physical and spiritual rest. Right. And, and yes, our bodies need rest. Yes. We have to rest. Like that's part of, yeah. part of the, the, the thing, but it, spiritual rest is different. Mm-hmm. Spiritual rest doesn't doesn't mean our bodies, right? Mm-hmm. And we're so tapped into the spirit, the physical part of life. It's hard for us to really grasp what that means. Yeah. But when we think about it in the realm of the gospel, when we think about it in the realm of of God's spirit, like God's work. It, it's that we're not um, we're not striving for this rest because mm-hmm. we can't. Right. We can't strive for this rest. Right, we there's there's nothing we can do to to get the rest, to earn it, to earn the rest, yeah. right? But you brought up a, a really cool verse mm-hmm. uh, in Hebrews. Yeah, uh, you want to read that? Sure, for us? sure. Uh, Hebrews four um, is all about rest, and in uh, Hebrews four verse eleven it says, "Let us therefore strive." <laughs> Strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Right? Can Can you explain what, what striving there means? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, the way the way I think of it, Stephen, is um, we when we strive. I mean, what 
Christ called us to pick up our cross and follow him. Right. And that means we crucify our flesh. Right. And that is that is absolutely opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. Right. It takes a lot to crucify my flesh. It takes a lot every day to pick up my cross and follow him. I mean, that, that's sanctification. That's sanctification, yeah. right? Right, right. And so um, that, is, that is a strive. Yeah. And when I strive to crucify that, um, because the world's going to tell me, hey, everything's transactional. Yeah. You, you get what you give. Yeah. And so I can go out there and, and work till my knuckles are raw. Um, but, yeah. But I think what's really cool here is, is strive also means in this context, we have to accept. We yeah. have to receive that God's done this for us. It's finished. And we get to rest in that. Yeah. And sp- spiritually rest in that. Yeah. I don't have to save myself. I can. That's right. And so... To, to understand that and accept that, to, to receive that, that is striving for the rest, right? That's right. Absolutely. That he's done this this great work, and he saved us, yep. and we get to rest in that spiritually. And that know? will always be a battle because our physical and our, and our emotional are always tied together. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, too, he, he said a couple of other things that I really liked. Um, when he used Psalm 23 to talk about that it's a command from God that the shepherd actually makes the sheep lie down. Yeah. He makes me lie down in green pastures, mm-hmm. that, that God is commanding yeah. us to rest spiritually, yeah. us to rest and say, you're, you have to rest. If, you, if you're part of me, right, yeah. you, you have to rest. That's you right. have to be able to understand, acknowledge, and receive that, mm-hmm. that I've done that work. That's right. And when we don't do it, that's disobedience. Yeah. And you mirror that with the Old Testament law, which was uh, the Sabbath. You can only do this on this day, yeah. or you will be punished. Yeah, you know, uh, the manna falling from heaven. You you have to do it this way. Yes, on the Sabbath, you can't go out and, and gather it because it's the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So don't do that. Um, and so it mirrors this spiritual rest on on this side of the cross. Yeah, that we accept and acknowledge that we are not in control. Right. That our trust is in is in God. That's right, a That's sovereign right. God. You yeah. know. Well, we could talk about this oh, all man. day. <laughs> <laughs> we could. We really could. Is right. there anything else you want to add to that? Well, just you know, that, again, uh, that it's an act of faith. Rest is an act of faith. It's mm-hmm. command. Uh, and then, and then this kind of is where I think he landed the plane was that we have to be dependent on God. It shows yeah. our it shows our dependence mm-hmm. that when we forget. Then that's where the earning comes in. We that's think right. we got to earn it. We think we got to we got to do it. It's my job. It's my business. It's my whatever. Right, right. Conventional and, wisdom says, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pull up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps that's and right. go to work. Right. Yeah. And and that's just not the gospel. No, it's not. Praise the Lord. It's not. Praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> we get to rest in that. That's right. So we we hope that you will have rest, uh, spiritual rest. Get some physical rest too, but. But rest in the knowledge that the work is finished. You know? Yeah. Well, we love you guys. We hope you have a wonderful new year and a safe New Year's Eve, ringing it in with your family or your yeah. friends or whoever you're with. And uh, we will see you next week. All right. Bye, guys.